This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras and Jim Toth on 680-CJOB. We had 84 shot attempts. We had certainly more than enough scoring chances to score more than one goal. It's not going in their goal to give the goal. Their goal to a ton of credit. They made huge saves. We were all over the net. Um, I'm just going to keep pushing. If we can create that much offense, uh, well, the puck will have to go in soon. Well, Jim, as far as I see it, there's uh, two Winnipeg. Two, two, the Winnipeg Jets fans are now in, are in two camps after yesterday's game. Two camps. one nothing win over the San Jose Sharks last night at Canada Life Center. Uh, Morgan Barron, the lone goal scorer, 17 saves, gives Connor Hellebuck the shout-out. You have two camps. You have the ones who are saying, come on. You have 25 high-danger scoring chances yesterday. You only get one. 25 of those shots coming from the slot. Shot attempts, 84-41. to Scoring chances, 36-15. to It's just a matter of time. They're going to start... It's going to be like a, a monsoon. It's going to be a monsoon eventually. And the other side of it, where they're going, they can't score? Only one nothing against the San Jose Sharks? Come on. This team's going to get creamed against the Canucks. You're either one or the other. Yeah. I happen to be on the, I'm on the monsoon side. I, I'm, I'm leaning more towards the monsoon. I think after the effort they put together uh, last night, I can't imagine that this drought of goals where the goals have just, they've just hightailed it out of town. They're down the valley. They're away. I can't see them anymore. Can't buy one. You can't buy. I can't see that. I even cannot see continuing. Even though there's room in the cap, you can't buy one. Can't buy a goal last night. <laughs> What's um, a goal worth to this team right now? <laughs> My God. That's actually what I've heard too. There's, there's the people who say, man, if they get that many chances night in, night out, keep like that up, they'll be fine. Yeah. And other people are saying, like, get that many chances and still can't score more than one goal. Um, it's it's ominous. So I, I'm I'm not in that boat. I, I think the offense last night looked well. I Should they have beaten San Jose by more than uh, one goal? Yes, they should have. Did it look like they were going to? Yes, it did. Did they do enough to score seven goals last night? Yes, they did. Did they score seven goals last night? No, they did not. Um, but it's also San Jose, right? Like they dominated San Jose and it's San Jose. They're not very good. We talked about that yesterday. A win is a win. I'm not going to go that far, but they do need to get this goal scoring going. Um, Saturday is looming large. Saturday against the the highly potent, the most high scoring team, um, best offensive team in the National Hockey League against the best defensive team in the National Hockey League. And a dominant five-on-five five team. The Canucks are right up there with the Jets five-on-five. Yes. Five. Um, defense wins championships. I know that's true in football. I believe that heavily, but I'm. Um, it helps in hockey, but... Uh, it goes for, but look, I like the I like the offense. I like the way the team looked. Um, we're going to get into a lot of the aspects of the game, but let us know. But that's what we're seeing on our text line at seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight already as well. Is that people either like the effort or didn't like the effort and and want us to talk about like you know are you concerned about the scoring or are you not? Well, so. there's been lots of talk about the Jets getting goalied several times over the course of this uh, season so far. Um, I mean, look, Capo Kakin, he was good last night. I got to give credit where credit great. was due. Um, he swallowed up rebounds. Um, uh, he 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 was exactly where he needed to be positionally. He had a fantastic game. Uh, you know, Nino Niederreiter got stopped in the slot. Gabe Velarde, Cal Connor at least twice. Mark Shifley. 
uh, in tight there. I mean, there were several opportunities where the Winnipeg Jets were right in the slot, wiring it right on the net, wide open. Um, and either they missed the net or 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 or, or Capo Kakadin was right there to make the save. They overpassed last night. Um, they that need to I shoot will, more, yes. and they need to go to the net more. Morrissey, you know, and I will say this about Josh Morrissey, his defensive game last night was absolutely stellar. He was an absolute stud, but he's got to shoot the puck. There was three or four opportunities where he should have shot. There was one particular uh, in the second period. He had a clear lane to go to the uh, to go right to the net and make a shot. He ends up passing it back. It goes to Dylan DeMello, and then Dylan DeMello knows, hey, we got to generate something here. Puts the puck on the net. It's easily swallowed up. Josh Morrissey's got to make that shot earlier on. Well, and I thought, you know, as the game wore on, everybody passed too much. I thought they would have odd man rushes, uh, mm-hmm. some different opportunities, and they just wait longer because things are opening up, right? Like, And, and not to harp on them, but the, the Sharks, for a team that hasn't played in two weeks and are decimated with their stars being out with injury, they fought hard. Like, you could tell yeah. they were glad to be back playing. They worked hard. They, yeah. they made you work for it. Um, again, another one-goal game against the Sharks in the three games this year with the Jets. I give them credit for that, but they're also not structurally sound like the the Winnipeg Jets are. And as as you would make plays, other plays would open up. And I thought they were trying to pass too much because those other plays were opening up because San Jose's structure isn't very strong. So I can understand why they were as the game wore on, they would wait more. And I mean, Morrissey's coming down. Two on ones are coming down. Shifley had a two on one, yeah. and he allowed it to get into a two on two and let the guy get back by the time he passed because it was opening up. Like he had a shot, but then the pass opens up. Yeah, but then he. By the time you choose that option, they're a team that because their structure isn't strong, it's not just as instinctive. Other teams who have good defensive structure, you take what's given to you and you take it immediately. Yeah. But when things sort of aren't that stellar and there's other opportunities and split seconds opening up, you have options. You don't. It, it just wasn't an instinctive game, I thought. But I thought they played well. I think Shifley does a lot of credit for his save. Yeah, we'll talk about um, that. I, I found it interesting that Connor Hellebuck wasn't a star, and I don't want to want to. I'm not bash him in any way, but I didn't think he was. He made 17 saves, and two or three of them were needed saves. Yeah, I thought he played well, but in a, I mean, the other goalie was a star of the game last night. Yeah, Capo Kakinen, he was he was great. I have to say that absolutely. And yesterday uh, at the <laughs> during the show, I said there was no excuse for the uh, the Jets not to win this game. Well, they did win. They did win the game. Um, and I said they should have dominated the first thirty minutes. Well, they started a little slow, losing first the first six minutes were slow, losing the first five. But then I I think for the rest of the game, out of what was remaining, I think they dominated for probably fifty minutes of it. Uh, I I totally am with you on what you said about the the San Jose Sharks. I didn't think they embarrassed themselves out there last night, despite uh, the ice being so heavily tilted um, in the other direction. And I have to give some credit to David Quinn, who I think is in a bad situation there. I think he's a great coach, um, and um, and and and, uh, and I'm hoping for the best. And whatever happens, he to him is, as things go on. He is a great coach. What he is getting out of that roster and that lineup, mm-hmm. and um, like I, I said, their structure isn't very strong and stuff. But they, he's got them working hard. He's got them like you. There's nobody on that team not believing, and not believing they're going to make the playoffs. But I mean, not like showing up, and and that's that's tough. Like I, I really like him as a coach. Here was Mark Shifley. You mentioned the save. Mark Shifley's in the crease. A puck gets misplaced. Connor Hellebuck doesn't know where it is. Shifley gets himself caught in the crease. Uh, Anthony Duclair puts it on net. Shifley brushes it away uh, and uh, and and clear, stopping it right on the goal line. Here was Shifley on that. Yeah, a lot, a lot of mini sticks. That's uh, that was exactly what it was. You know, 
I don't think Bucky knew where the puck was, so you know that happens once a def- defensive play comes out of me every once in a while. Drop your stick and just try to make a save. Honestly, like I just, you know, Bucky. I knew Bucky didn't really know where he was, and I was on the wrong side of it. And just honestly, try to get any limb on it whatsoever. I don't know exactly. I think it was like it kind of hit me first, and then kind of came over, and um, then I got it with my hand. So just a great save. Bucky owes me owes me one. Mark, or sorry, Morgan said that the ref complimented you. On- well, I'll play more. You know, and I just leading into that clip, I'll play what Morgan Barron said. Um, about the about that save from Shifley. Yeah, crazy. I mean, I, obviously, I, I expected them to blow it if it went in, so I, I kind of figured the review wouldn't come up with anything. But um, you know, really smart play. And after, actually, one of the refs came over and I overheard him tell Shifley, like, "That's a smart play, not to close your glove on it because he just swatted away rather than than closing uh, his hand on it." So you know, it's, it's smart players do, and he made a really good defensive play. Now, if Shifley would have closed his hand on it, it would have been a penalty shot. If a player outs besides yes. the goaltender yeah. freezes the puck like that, p- closes their hand or covers it with their body, it's an immediate penalty shot. Here was Shifley on uh, what Barron had to say. Yeah, you know, you know the rules. I when the ref said that, I was like, "Did you think I was going to?" You think I, <laughs> I know the I know the rules. So, um, you know, I think that's the first time a ref's giving me a compliment too. I think some good stuff there for Mark Shifley. I wanted to make sure I got that that in there. But uh, I thought too, Jim, in terms of the in the offensive production, we got another minute here. Then we'll then we'll take a break. Uh, but I thought they were getting to the right spots. They were in the net. Uh, they were in front of the net. They were trying to tip pucks in. The defense was was engaged. Um, tons of shots. I think there was sixteen shots from the from from the defense yesterday. So they're trying to do the right things. It's just. Just not finding its way into the net. They they just can't score. Well, we have a text here that says, I can't keep going back to the point of them getting goalied. Well, you tell us what happened last night then. 25 high danger chances, 80 some shots, shots, 37 of them got through to the net. 84 shot attempts, yeah. And then the other text says a lot of empty calorie shots. I get what you're saying. Like they're not. But 25 high danger opportunities, those are calorie. Those are high calorie. Those are high calorie. That's so a, I, I know what you're saying. Like I, to me, like remember the game two years ago against Arizona, they put 40 shots on mm-hmm. and, and lost one, nothing that was empty calories. Yeah. That was of the 40 some shots, 40 of them were from the outside. Were from outside the danger zone, mm-hmm. the high scoring chance last night. I didn't see that. Um, I, now that being said, I think they have to go to the net more. I I, th- I think they have to create second opportunities, and and you made the point. I thought he was brilliant last night in the San Jose net with this with the rebounds. Yeah, and he was flopping a little bit, but he was there. But um, I think I have more concern about whether they can get that many opportunities against a better team like Vancouver. Um, everybody's talking about Vancouver's offense. Don't sleep on their defense. Yeah, no, they're a good, strong defensive team. Let's take a break. Let's come back. Uh, On the other side of the sports minute coming up here, the Jays opening spring training. Uh, But there's something interesting, something connecting every single remaining free agent. The news uh, will surprise you on the other side. And the question everybody was asking, why was Ehlers moved down? Well, We'll talk about that after 1230. Don't go anywhere. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. I want to continue with that. Pitchers and catchers reporting in, in Dunedin. And this is interesting. According to The Athletic, the top five players still available for as free agents, I know baseball free agency takes forever, are all agents of one man. Scott Boris, uh, Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, two left-hand, left-handed pitchers. 
Cody Bellinger, who had a great season last year with the Cubs. Matt Chapman, of course, of the Blue Jays last year. And then J.D. Martinez on the D.H. Uh, that's interesting, isn't it, Jim? That it's it all is. five of the same players with the same agent. He's had success. I mean, Garrett Cole, Bryce Harper, Chris Bryan, Jose Altuve, Xander Bogart's all Big clients he's had that he's got big contracts for. Tuve signed a great extension lately. We didn't talk about it. Should have been news of the day. Yeah, sure. Mighty Mouse is back. Uh, Scott Boris's net worth right now is four hundred and fifty million. So we'll see if it works out. So but- three to six percent of those five guys coming in this year, he might make it in this agent game. There's but st- those are huge names. Baseball is having a shift, and like even the Altuve five year one twenty five, six year one hundred. The idea of guys getting four, four fifty, other than Otani, is not out there. Like, like Schnell could get. It's because they want two hundred seventy million, and they're not going to get it. We'll see if he cashes in. Why was Ehlers moved down? We'll talk about that on the other side. Jets at noon on six eighty CJOB. I just didn't like what I was seeing from that top line. So. Was it about what they were creating? I was trying to look for the thing, if there was, if there would have been a reason. Maybe there was like an ozone giveaway kind of in the third there. But what leads to that kind of thing? It, it wasn't the third. It was led, what led up to the third. Well, why was Nick Ehlers moved down yesterday? And why was head coach Rick Bonus after the one nothing shutout win by the Winnipeg Jets? Uh, over the San Jose Sharks yesterday. Why was he moved down? You said shutout yesterday on the show, and you didn't jinx it. So maybe you broke the jinx. And I got this from Kyle Connor, not Kyle Connor, Connor Hellebuck, who a couple of years ago said, I don't um, I don't hear what you guys are saying in the broadcast booth during a game, so a jinx cannot exist. You could be sitting in the press box and say, well, there's eight minutes left. He's going to get a shutout. And Connor Hellebuck said, I don't hear you guys saying that, so there's no way I could be jinxed. Well, as the curse jinx of the Billy Goat don't exist. died in Chicago in the friendly confines of Wrigley Field in 2016, and the curse of the Babe ended uh, years previous for the Boston Red Sox. And Joe Boo sacrificed a chicken in Major League. <laughs> I well, was, it was KFC, but yeah, it was I wonder like if that. that bucket cost them $80. <laughs> but Maybe you've broken this jinx. Maybe. Maybe it's okay to say shutout now. But anyways, you did say it, and Connor Hallebuck did get a shutout. I also said four or five goals last night. So did I said four goals, yeah. Four, I did say it. I said 4-1. Um, and, and to the point of a lot of our texters today, a lot of our texters yesterday said, I just need to see a breakout. I need to see like six, seven goals in a game. I understand that. The The other problem, though, is, Cam, is hockey's harder now. And, and I have this discussion a lot with some fans it's not like when you play the San Jose Sharks, now they're depleted. They should have beat them 5-0. They got goalied. Yeah. But when you play even, like they haven't played Vancouver yet this year, but when you play Vancouver in October or November, it's not going to be the same Vancouver you get this Saturday. Mm-hmm. Hockey gets tougher at this point of the year. There are, like, Vancouver made a trade to get better. It's just, I don't think around the league, other than Edmonton and Connor McDavid, six assists, beating Detroit, eight, four. Yeah. I don't think around the league you're going to see a lot of seven, four games anymore like we did for a while and and how McKinnon and Kucherov are lighting it up with yeah. three points a night. It's just, it's going to become tougher. And that is, in my impression, why last night was only one goal. It should have been more. But I looked at the way they played and the chances they generated, and that's a good sign for this time of the year in my mind. Listening to Rick Bonus about why 
Ehlers was moved down. Why do you think Ehlers was moved down? Because I watched the game, and when Ayafalo moved up, I kind of went, oh, I I wonder what happened. Obviously, I mean, as, as Rick Bonus was saying, he wasn't happy with something. Well, the way he said that last night gets me suspicious. Um, there's three reasons. Ehlers might have done something, and he went down. They're in a one nothing game, and they want a little more defensiveness on that. Like if they're down one nothing, I think Ehlers stays yeah. on that number one line. Up one nothing, I wonder if he's looking to maybe have some danger on the fourth line and and move I follow up for defensive purposes, or um, he did something. And so to me, and this is just my perception. I have no no other like facts on this yeah. or confirmation from anybody. I think he's probably been talking to Nick about something and Nick did it and he doesn't want it to happen anymore. Yeah. And so that's the message sent. Um, now what that is, I don't know. I looked at the game when the change was made, I went back after and rewound it. I was looking for like a, Nick has a bad, <laughs> bad habit of behind the back passes. And he also has a bad habit of seam passes. Yeah. And in a one, nothing game, if you go down the boards and do a seam pass through the middle to the blue line, that is a something that will go the other way real quick. I remember a game years ago against San Jose when Tyler, they needed a goal. And there was about 28 seconds left. They, Nick gained the zone, went down the boards, and Tyler Myers took off from the blue line to go to the net because the play is to put it on net and crash. And Nick went down the boards and put a seam pass back up the middle, and it went the other way for an empty net goal. And everybody said, Tyler Myers left the point. Tyler Myers left the point. I said, no, the play is with 28 seconds left and the goalie out, or the goal, I don't know if the goalie was out or not, is to put yeah. that on on net and Tyler's supposed to crash like everybody else. So I don't know if he's done that or, but to me, it just seems like he stopped short again, mm-hmm. like he did about Velarde the other night. Um, and and I, I think he's maybe for a month or two said, Hey, we got to cut this out. It's February. What we do. And this is what I know from coaches. What you do in February is what you'll do in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So February is like end of March, beginning of April is not the time to go. Okay. No more of this. Now's the time. January, February is a time where you watch coaches will start benching players in this month or moving them down the lineup to go. Look, I know that's been successful for you. But I also know that's not going to work in a month and a half from now, or it's going to cost us. I don't want to see it anymore. So even though it didn't cost you, now's the month you're going to see this happen. Do I think that Rick Bonus is going to have him back up there on the top line and against Vancouver? Yeah, I do. So do I, I. I think it was half a period. I still, and this might be the the demon in me, get a kick out of how people lose their minds when something happens to Nick Ehlers in this yeah. town. Yeah, I I don't necessarily agree with all of that. I, 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 there's, while I think Nick Ehlers is a fantastic forward, a huge important part of this team. Uh, I, I, he, and if you want to, and it's usually the analytics. He's an analytics golden boy a lot of the times. Well, yesterday I looked up his analytics in terms of Corsi and all the other stats, and he did not have a good game. He was actually one of the lower forwards. Um, uh, in the game. So maybe that was another indication as to why uh, he was moved down, why the head coach was so coy um, yesterday, I think is probably because he didn't have a chance to really have a talk 
with Ehlers, it wasn't like he was going to have a big explanation for him on the bench That's as to why he moved That's a great point, because if there is an issue, coaches don't do it after games, yeah. they do it the next day. Yeah, so I think he probably, why, and maybe we'll hear about it after practice tomorrow, the team's off to Vancouver today, uh, just to get an extra day, and then, then of course, play the Canucks on, on Saturday. So maybe we'll hear more about it after practice as to the reasoning behind it, um, or maybe we won't, but, you know, I think that there was the coach was being a little ambiguous uh, because of the fact perhaps he didn't have a chance to talk to the player. There is the thought because it was only half of the third period that he just said, "I'm putting I follow up there to keep that keep from their top line." Maybe he thinks I follow will check more, get something out more. There's there could lots be of that intricacy. stuff. Yeah, um, but I don't. I don't think I just. Nick Ehlers can make mistakes like any other player. Now, what we're going to hear from the the Ehlers fan base, and I'm a fan of Nick Ehlers, so don't get me wrong. Big time. What we're going to hear is, well, Kyle Connor never gets moved down, or Mark Shifley never gets. And and I, I hate that because Mark Shifley has been benched with four minutes to go in St. Louis. He's been benched with a couple of minutes to go against Philadelphia. He was benched in Hockey Night in Canada by another coach. Um, I just, I, I, I get a kick out of, <laughs> it's almost some people think Ehlers can do no wrong. Yeah. And then as you and I have discussed, and I know this from talking to Nick Ehlers, if you ever talk to him, he thinks he knows when he can't do anything right. Yeah. And he t- he'll tell you, yeah. I wasn't very good last night. So I don't know what it was. Um, and But the pause there tells me that he potentially saw something that he's, the reason I say that is because I don't think it's something new. I don't think it's something new that he would go, I'm doing this, yeah. I think. But then again, I could be overthinking this. We all could be. And he might have just thought, I just thought in a one nothing game, Nick's dangerous on that line. It could be a matchup thing. I'm putting him on with these guys because I think Nick could take advantage of that. Now, now Linda texts the show. It says, Kyle isn't scoring lately. What's going on? Well, yeah, Kyle's only had that empty net goal since he's returned. Yeah. Um, but I liked Casey's game yesterday. I thought he was thought he was right in there. I thought he was dynamic. I thought he was dangerous. Um, I, I think we're starting to see Kyle Connor come in, and he's always been kind of a streaky scorer, so he'll get a couple and things will start going in. Well, but Kyle's look dangerous. Um, he's missed the net. I, I do. Don't get me wrong. He he's, needs to start scoring. He's we missed the this. net. He's missed the net a lot. Yes. Um, we've said this uh, third week of the season. I said this has been fine and dandy. They pile up some wins after the first four games. They need to get those top guns going. They need to get – it's time for the big guns to come out again. Yeah. And when I said this last time, they came out, and I think they had 13 points in nine games as a line. And that's They're listening to Jim Toad. They're listening for well, Jim Toad. I wouldn't say that. But, um, and the I'm other sure. one, Cam, that I it lost in all this, he's still playing well. I watched him closely last night. I liked his game. I didn't like the penalty. But Cole Perfetti. Um, and this goes back to my point of hockey gets harder now. And I and I we had a texter, a listener. Um, I forget who. I apologize to you. You made a great point about a month ago that said he's having a good year. Oh, it's when we were talking about what a contract might look for him. Yeah. And he said he's having a good year, but hockey is tougher in the playoffs. Let's see what he can get done. Hockey is tougher now, and Cole Perfetti needs to start producing. He needs uh, to help that second line. Yeah. Um. I don't want to pile on the kid or anything like that. No, I'm not piling no, on. I'm no, just saying. I, I, not, I'm just talking to myself when I say that. Um, there's some battles, uh, one-on-one battles. He's got to, he's got to win. Yes. There was lots of them last night. Yeah. Um, where he's going into the corner and he's, he's not even coming close to coming out with the puck. Um, and that's why he's not at center anymore. I know. That's why he was moved out of there. He's got to start winning some one-on-one battles. He's a smart guy. He's a smart guy. He's got to use that. He's very smart. He's not going to get bigger. It's not like he's going to start. He's going to grow three inches. He's going to, you know, add on 40 pounds. He'll put on some strength though. Yeah. But, but he's going to have to play differently. I mean, Josh Morrissey's not the biggest guy in the world, but he, he had a great defensive game. 
Uh, and he he makes great offensive plays. I think he's got to shoot a little bit more, but Perfetti's just got to round himself in into that. He's got to win one on one battles. That's where it starts. Well, got to stay I, on the right. He also yes. he's got to stay on the right side of the puck. He has a habit of doing that, and um, he's got to watch that. And too. just because it's been this long of games, ten or twelve, and they're not scoring, they need the big guns. Don't get me wrong, the Connors, the Shifleys, the Ealers. Yeah, but they need the Perfettis. And and Monahan needs to get one. I like Monahan's goal so far. Got and they really try our game so far. Yeah. Not goal he hasn't scored. Um, but to me, Perfetti is at that point in his career where the hockey's harder now. Mm-hmm. It's okay that you've gone seven or eight games without a goal, but now it's time to start has contributing. He, has he been around in a situation like this? He always like has he got? No, he's no, always injured he's at this been point injured of the at year, this right? point of the year. Yeah. So so he's getting his first real taste here. So we'll see what he can do. Fraser's not happy with uh, Cole Perfetti. He says, "Never mind, Ealers. Your golden boy Perfetti and Fraser. I'm not sure who's golden boy. My golden boy. Your golden boy, Jim. Which golden one is he? Boy. Um, maybe you can help specify that, uh, Fraser. I really appreciate the text message though. But he says your golden boy Perfetti was nowhere once again. Like Connor, he should have been sent to the Moose to start his time with the Jets. Put Baron or Nemestikov in his place. You're going to put Kyle Connor on the Moose when he comes back from injury. That's not going to happen. I don't know. I had a couple people uh, a week ago on social media reach out and say it's time to trade Kyle Connor, and I just, um, no, no, okay. Uh, Nathan, Nathan says, still for a team that's troubling scoring, you're going to take your best all round score. And yeah, I know. Nathan says, uh, still seems strange to me. Save that, that for free for all Friday. Cause <laughs> then we'll have to think about it today. I'm not even contemplating it, but tomorrow, in, well, if you I'll call, think about if it. you call in tomorrow, free for all Friday, we'll listen. Yeah. Hey, we'll listen. 204-780-6868. Nathan says, still seems strange to me that an entire team can be snake bitten. I can't under I can understand a couple of guys going through a slump, but I still don't get it when the whole team can't score. Nathan, that's what's going on right now. Well, it's a mindset. It's because so the the high end scores aren't scoring. Overpassing. So they're trying to overpass. The middle, the the support depth scoring is going, we gotta pick it up. So they're trying too hard. I mean, yeah. a prime example is Nito Niederreiter last night. He could not buy one, and you could see the frustration on him. And that's a guy going, "Hey, if it's time for me to get going, it's been yeah. a cup, a dozen games." So, and then he has all those opportunities, and he keeps getting snake bitten, and it it sets into the mindset of the team that they all, it's just not instinctive and relaxed as much to me like the power play. Yeah, it's the, the same. Situation. The power play is the most awkward thing I've seen this year in this team, and I put this out on social media. It reminds me of a high school dance. It doesn't matter how well I know. The friends I have at that dance, I'm still awkward. That's what the power play looks like. They know each other. They're acquainted with each other. They've played together for years, but yet this thing looks so awkward. Big game coming up Saturday. Pre-game gets going at 7, puck drop at 9. It's a late one. Winnipeg Jets taking on the Vancouver Canucks. Two of the top teams, 5-on-5 in the entire league. Something's got to give. The Winnipeg Jets, hey, maybe they're saving all these goals for Saturday, Jim. Maybe they're all going to start coming on Saturday. Let's take a break. Let's come back on the other side of weather. One team makes a major move to its front office. More on that when we come back. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. Well, the Columbus Blue Jackets made a big move, uh, firing Yarmo Kekalainen, relieving him of his duties. The Blue Jackets announced today John Davidson along with the team's hockey operations management team will assume general managerial duties while the club goes through the process 
of hiring a replacement. Uh, Texter says 204-780-6868. Columbus fired their GM. What do you guys think? Thanks. Well, Jim, I'll ask that of you. What do you think? Well, I'll say this to begin with to localize it. Um, He had a great run in Columbus and did a lot of good things. He lost a lot of free agents. He went for it, loaded up and went for it one year. We were talking about when this went bad, and you you were mentioning around the time they signed Goudreau, and I kind of, like the Flyers, yeah. who he Goudreau wanted to play for, said, essentially, and, and I'm paraphrasing, but this is what I heard, that they're like, we would love to have Johnny Goudreau, but we're three years away from needing Johnny Goudreau to be a difference maker. Mm-hmm. Like, why pay him $9 million for three years? That's the mistake I think Columbus did. They brought in a player when they weren't close to being um, – but they went for it and all that. I think it actually goes back to when they went for it. And this is, um, again, jumping on my like own Bobrovsky sword or, or whatever. Panarin. But like I said last year, the Jets need to go for it. I don't think Hellebuck, Shifley, Wheeler, Dubois are all going to be here. And they needed to. Well, Columbus did that that year. And it set them back years. Yeah. And that's what I think began the downfall of Kekalainen. Uh, he's a good G, good hockey person, good hockey mind. He'll find work again. But I don't know. I think it got to a point in Columbus where um, the the they need a new direction. Mm-hmm. Not that he um, is awful at his job or anything, but they need to go in a new direction, have a new clear picture. And to be honest with you, the Mike Babcock thing, you can't do that. You cannot take a risk on a Mike Babcock and not sit down with him and go – when you get to know our players, what is your plan? Like, yeah. I'll hire a coach, and he says, I'm going to get to know the players. I got some things that I do and blah, blah, blah. And I'll go, okay. With Mike Babcock, you got to go, wait a minute. What specific things? What yeah. are your tactics? What do you do these days? What is that? So that really, really is embarrassing, too, for that, this, that organization. Yeah, this texture says, do you think it's because the line A deal hasn't worked out as a reason? Well, I think it goes back. I think you're right. Um, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky, they should have been traded at the deadline that year. And I understood that instead of going for instead it. Instead of going for it. They should have been they should have been dealt. But I get it too, Cam, right? Well, and, like you've and, been around for twenty years and you finally have a shot. I get it. I get it. I get it, but, but you got just I'm, and that's why I said hindsight's twenty twenty. Um and I think So you to go, my point of Kevin Chevaldeoff. off. Yeah. And even if you don't like Kevin Chevaldeoff, I know some Jets fans don't, I just I don't know how you don't like him. Yeah. His patience is beyond unbelievable. Yeah, I, and I think you couple that with uh, the Johnny Gaudreau signing, which hasn't worked out. I think you you look at the trade for Pierre-Luc Dubois, where they traded for Patrick Laine and Jack Roslevic, who was a, Roslevic was a center. So that's what they were trying to replace. But they haven't been able to have any – the team is dead down the middle, and they have not had yes, any center. they're There's, centers, yeah. And that, I, it's I don't been a think, killer. I don't think the Patrick Laine deal hasn't worked out for them. When he got traded there, in the 45 games he was there, coming off an injury, he had 21 points. The next two seasons, he only played 56 and 55 games, but he had 56 and 52 points. Yeah. This year he had nine points in 18, and he's, he's yeah, getting he's, some he's help a point right now. Player, but they had to get a centerman in that deal. Yes. And then I think the— Signing th- Goudreau cost them their center, Bjorkstead, who went to Seattle and became an all-star we, this we year. We were talking about this as well, as what the San Jose players are worth at the deadline this year, and yeah. what are they going to get for them? I think Columbus is facing a very, very similar question. What are our players worth? And I think the team made the decision and said, Yarmo Kikalan is not the guy moving forward. We need the guy that is going to be moving forward, or at least a guy with the organization. They need a whole new to plan. Make, to make these decisions yeah. at the deadline, you're not going to let Yarmo do it. 
Um, so they made a decision. Anyways, Jim told to take you all the way until three o'clock. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. Jeffrey Forche, the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, he's here. He's pushing the buttons. That's it for me. We'll be back. Santa Morris. Yep. Chats at noon on 680 CJOB.